This is the Capness HR Podcast, and we want you to be great every day. Join us as we transform the human resources outsourcing industry while we talk to small business owners, founders, and people in tech, startup, and HR spaces. Now, please welcome your host, Jason Capness. Hello, and welcome to the Capness HR Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Capness. Our guest today is True Pew. True, are you ready to be great today? Yes. True is an Army veteran with a tour to Afghanistan during his time in the military. He's also the proud son of two Army veterans who had 12 tours between them. He was born in Orlando, Florida, and has four siblings. This is quite impressive here. At the age of seven, he built his first computer from the ground up. And at 15, he started a business fixing people's everyday electronics. At 20, he joined the Army and became a signal support specialist where he was stationed at Joint Base Lewis McCord in the state of Washington. He also started a tech company by the name of Crew Tech with one of his AIT battle buddies. They handle tasks from the computer support to car product installation. He is now the founder of Dogbox and the creator of Dog Relief Station, an in-home dog relief area for people living in multiple situations. Thank you for coming today, True. And True, can you talk about a minute about your um, new company, Dogbox, what your vision is for that? Yeah, so I guess the easiest way to, to talk about it is, I mean, a lot of people have pets. You know, there's there's a lot of people who have cats, and it's, it's convenient because, you know, you can, you know, locally place a, a litter box somewhere. And, you know, people can actually, you know, let their cats go to without really having to worry about it. But you have those people who have dogs, like such as myself, and, you know, they're always in a rush trying to get home. And you have people who live in high-rises, it's a lot more cumbersome for them, especially in like CA populated where you can't build up. I mean, build out, you have to build up. So what I improvised was I was trying to actually find a solution to my problem because, you know, I'm a vet. Uh, I have a service dog and she can't really go with me on post because of her breed from what I'm told. So I, you know, I took to the internet to try to find a, a solution for it and none of them were working for me. In that event, I ended up coming up with uh, DRS, which is a dog release station that it's like a, a synthetic turf that's, you know, coated with the antibacterial agent. There's, it's, it's all about being eco-friendly, really, is what you're trying to do and get back to it. So it's, it's easy cleanup. So right now, I guess the EPA is suggesting that the best way to get rid of dog feces is to uh, actually flush it. The competition that are on the market, they just, it wasn't working for me. So I tried pee pads. Those didn't work for my dog because, you know, she would just tear them up. She thought that they were just a joke. And then you had these, uh, now I guess they're coming out in the market where there's like these turf pads, if you will, that you're supposed to use for a week and then you're disposed of. But I don't think people really take into consideration what they're inviting into their home by using those pieces of turf. Lately, you have, you know, dog parks around like there's a dog park in Renton that just closed down recently from parvo outbreak so a lot of this stuff is stemming from the dog feces and when you have your dog consistently using the same piece of turf that has no way of adequately cleaning itself you know sanitizing and your dog is constantly using that what are you really inviting your dog to bring back into your house and you know this this day and age we don't see dogs as pets we see them as family members that's so, so true you know, if you have you have carpet, you can see how that easily could just build into your carpet and now you, your family's getting sick, you have dogs that you allow on your couch and your bed, and it, it just becomes a problem. So much of a problem that the government has started trying to find a way to fix that issue. So 
what for me started out as a solution to my problem ended up being something much bigger. Tell us about the process you use as far as finding the material for your dog box. Cause I know you just didn't know going to just find it. I know it's a process you use, wasn't it? Yeah. So for me, like I, w I wanted my product to be like a quality product. I didn't, I didn't want to skip lines and, you know, try to just bring something quick to the market. So I wanted to make sure every, you know, material that I was using was either in environmentally friendly or, you know, it was going to be a solid material that was gonna be able to sustain, not just the dog stepping on it, but you know, you have kids too. So kids might go run and jump on it and you don't want something that's gonna break and cause somebody some kind of harm. So we use like a, a high polymer, like a high density plastic, you know, that was 100% recyclable. And then we got together. For, so for the turf, we had to actually build that. That wasn't something that was on the market. We had to go and, you know, talk to some manufacturers and say, okay, well, we want, the turf to be, you know, this thickness with, you know, antibacterial properties and something that was easily able to be cleaned, you know? So a lot of that stuff you have to take into consideration when you're building a product because it wasn't, it didn't dawn on me until I actually tried to make a product that it, it's really labor intensive, all the stuff that goes into trying to create something so simple. Do you, I think you told me before how many dogs are actually in the Seattle area? So that that's the crazy portion about it because Seattle is known for having more dogs than there are children in the area. There's 107,000 children and there's over 155,000 dogs. Wow, so, that's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. And, and people don't, might not know this who don't live in the Seattle area. Most people in Seattle actually live in apartments or townhomes because of the limited land loose. So I have to think that a high percentage of those pits are in like apartments or townhomes or places with no yards, right? Right, right. So, I, I mean, I, you know, I've, I've done my research and I know there was a test that was recently done by apartments.com that, you know, said that more than 75% of people who live in apartments have one or more dogs. So you got to think at this point, it's like, okay, well, how are the apartments going to, you know, be more environmentally friendly to people who have pets? You know, you have to make it welcoming for somebody to say, okay, well, I would rather live in this place where my dog has the ability to do what they need to do versus one where it's like, do I got to hide my dog because it doesn't do what I needed to do? Yes. I would think too, like totally on the sixth floor, even you stay home all day, do you, do you really want to go downstairs for four or five, six times a day? Because we have a dog, we have a home. He goes outside at least 10 times a day. Right. So I can't imagine being a sixth floor apartment and going up and down, up and down, you know? That, that it's, it's crazy. So, I mean, for my product, you know, I don't just see it on a, a residential level. It's more, you know, it, we'll, we'll get into the whole commercial aspect of it too, but you have to crawl before you walk. So, as I said, when I created a product, you know, I went to try to figure out if something was like that out there on the market and it wasn't. So we were very fortunate to get the patents that we did for the, for the product itself. And, you know, doing, you know, research, you try to figure out what markets are really, you know, like really congested with dogs. So Portland was, you know, number one on the list for the most er the area with the most dogs in it. Then you had San Diego and then Seattle was third. So is it safe, is it safe to presume that you're going to go after the market with the most dogs in them? Well, I want to make it accessible for everybody, but it would make sense to try to tackle the markets that actually really need it because it does. I've, I've, I've tried to, I've tried to do surveys. So I've tried to go out and actually talk and engage with people and try to get their thoughts on, you know, dog parks and things like that. So some of the people that I've talked to in Seattle say that, you know, there's not really grass around. So you do have to use the dog parks, but a lot of people don't like to admit that their dogs aren't as friendly as they would like them to be. 
So it could be a lot more cumbersome for them to take their dogs to the dog park because you don't really know how your dog is going to act around other dogs. And, you know, that for me is a problem because when I take my dog for a walk, I don't really know how those other dogs are going to be. Mostly you see other people's dogs barking and your dog's kind of like docile and, you know, to themselves and other, other dogs can provoke action. And then, you know, you're in this big old lawsuit between dogs. You know, I, I've had a dog before where he was just that type of individual. He wasn't aggressive toward people, but he just didn't like other dogs, you know, and that, that can become a problem. Very true. Can you talk a little bit about the patent process? Cause most people, especially me think a patent process is a long haul process costs tens of $20,000. Can you shed some light on how hard or easy that was for you? Well, I can, I can shed light on what I know about the patent process. So for me, I know there was, you know, two patents. There was a design patent and there was a utility patent. You know, the utility patent is obviously a more concrete patent. It pretty much protects how your product works as to where a design is a specific look that nobody can do. So in, I guess, layman's terms, it would be like, the if you had an iphone and the way that the iphone screen looks like you know how the apps are where where they position that on the screen that would be more design compared to how android as to where the utility would be the function of you know how a treadmill works versus walking on the ground it was a long process it was a long process and i know they usually typically say that patents will generally take anywhere from 18 to 24 months and for a lot of people, I don't think they understand during that process is when you're actually supposed to be, you know, either, you know, trying to build the product, trying to do prototypes and things of that nature, but that stuff gets expensive. For me, I actually got my patent within four months, which was crazy. Like that was record time for me because we filed for it in February. We were like talking about doing everything for a whole year prior to, and then it finally got, you know, filed in February and then. On the 22nd of this month, it got issued. So I'm kind of excited about that. Yeah, that's, that's a great story for you. Four months. That is good. Yeah. yeah. And, it, you know, like I said, if you, if you, I guess if you're a business, I mean, there's different ways to go about filing the patent. A typical patent is anywhere from, you know, 20 grand up. And it just depends on how you go about doing it because you have some patent lawyers out there who could get it done for 10% of that. You just have to do the research to try to find those guys. Because obviously, it's, it's no different than any other business. Say if you were coming in to try to get a, a, a oil change from me, I'm going to make it seem a lot more difficult than what it really is. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yes. So I can charge you on the price. But it's not anything that's it's hard. Right. Thanks, Drew. Talk to us about a time in the past you, you, where you were successful, what you learned from the success, and what we can learn from the success. Well, as I said before, um, I, had a, I had a business partner he was a he was a battle buddy when, when I was stationed at JBLM, and we had the the business by the name of Crutech. So what we did where we did like you know computer software, and this was this was back when all that cloud stuff was getting ready to start to happen, and people weren't so assured, you know, like they weren't they didn't have a positive outlook, if you will, of taking and putting everything on the cloud. And for us, it was it was kind of a new thing because, you know, we were full-time military, but at the same time, we had this business and this vision that we were trying to do. You know, we, we got traction in terms of car stuff, you know, getting people to put, you know, radios and car alarms and things like that, that stuff into the car. But it, for the, the more commercial stuff, like the bank grade, you know, security that we were offering, it was it was a lot harder to do. You know, we ended up closing one deal with somebody and it kind of changed perspective for me. So, I mean, when I closed that deal, it was it was it was pretty successful. I think for me, it, it kind of made me look back on like, all right, 
you know, you're, you're, you're taking a step in the right direction. That's always good to get positive reinforcement. Next, talk to us about a time that you failed in the past, what you learned from this failure and what we can learn from this failure. That would be when I tried to close a deal, a deal with one of the dealerships out here in um, the Tacoma area. And they had guys that shouldn't have been doing the job that they were doing, you know, but I, I, I guess you, you try to save money when you're, you're running a business of that level, but they knew nothing about what we were bringing to the table. So I think for them, they were wasting a tremendous amount of money because we had an inferior product where you had to buy, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of equipment. And then you had to pay for a subscription to even use the equipment that you had. And then it was like, okay, well, if that equipment that you bought crashed, you had to wait for them to ship you another one, you know, like a stack to be able to reboot it and then get your software up. So you were down for a while. And so what we did was you like, look, we can eliminate all of that. We can put that at, you know, probably 25% of the cost that you're paying for the whole thing and just make everything streamlined. Your internet will be faster. Everything will be faster and more productive than what you're doing now. No, no matter what we tried, it was just, it was, it was like, no. And it was just like, that for us was a test to try to figure out how can we, you know, sell to people who shouldn't be doing what they're doing. You know what I mean? Because you, you do have people put in jobs that aren't supposed to be in that job. Yeah, that's very that's very true. So next, um, talks about how you add value, how to solve problems for people. In terms of what, like for like dog box, what's the value that dog box is gonna add, bring to people? Dog box, I think, and for me, it you know it, it's a lot of value. So I think in, in terms of residential, it's it's a convenience. I think if you make any product that is a convenience for somebody, you know they're gonna buy it. Like, for example, how many people do you know get up and still go turn the TV by hand? That is something that's just not going to happen anymore. Or you know how they have smartwatches now where it's like, oh, my God, you're telling me I don't have to pick up my phone and see who's texting me or, you know, all these other notifications that you can get via that watch on your wrist rather than picking up your phone. So it's now we got to the age where everything is advanced. I, you know, I'm like a night owl. Um, I stay up. So I listen to people when they're taking their dogs out, you know, not like, you know, creeper type, but you know, you just hear them outside. They're yelling at three o'clock in the morning. Hey, you need to go. You need to do this with the dog because they don't want to get up at three o'clock to take the dog out. You see what I'm saying? And for them, that is a serious issue because if the dog goes in your apartment, you have to replace that carpet. You could go and get a rug doctor and, you know, try to clean it as best as possible. And it may not be visible, but once your lease is over, they're going to pull up that carpet and they're going to try to see, you know, if a dog, if you had one on, a, uh, on, your, on your lease, if the dog went in the, uh, the carpet. So that's anywhere from 15 to, you know, two, two grand to replace that carpet alone. And, you know, for some people, it's not worth it. I know for me, it's not worth it. No, so it's not. A, a convenience where I can, you know, let my animal go out on my balcony and it's an easy cleanup without having to go down 20 flights of stairs at three o'clock in the morning, especially in the, the state that we stay in where it rains a lot. That's a convenience. That's something worth it. Because in the end, I'm getting, a, I'm not having to go buy a rug doctor to clean my carpet. I'm not having to get up. And it's easier for me to get up out the bed and go open my back balcony door and let my dog out rather than getting dressed, going downstairs, coming back upstairs and trying to get back to sleep knowing I have to go to work. Those are very good points. And back to remote control, I think it's safe to say that people rather search for the remote control for 30 minutes up to an hour before they exactly. go to the channel, you know. 
That's that's what's funny. People like that that convenience for people is something that they've come to rely on. Like if you don't have a remote, someone's not gonna use a TV. Like that it's just like I'm not gonna do it. It's just more of a hassle than it is a convenience for me. And while looking at the remote control, you be right there by the TV, but you even you won't even think about changing your channel because you're so focused on right. finding that remote. Right. Funny. Right. Next next talked about somebody who's helped you out in the past and how they helped you. Somebody who's helped me out in the past. I will definitely have to say that the network that we have in terms of veterans, it, you can always rely on other veterans to help you out, no matter what it is. Uh, like if you take, for instance, how we met through Bunker Labs or when I went to UWT and we had the Vibe competition and we had veterans running that and, you know, they you know put you in touch with other veterans, like in terms of mentors. So, you know, having Griff from Combat Flip Flops or GW from Tactical Taylor or even Tom from, you know, the Vibe Center, all these people are, are instrumental in, in trying to help you grow and build. You know what I mean? So I feel like even if and here's the thing, when you when you look at it, a lot of people don't want to look at it the way that it is. So I remember when I was in the Vibe competition and he was like, yeah, you have a mentor that's in manufacturing, but he was into apparel. He wasn't into manufacturing what I was manufacturing. And I really didn't know the space, so I was kind of closed off about it. And I was just like, how is this dude going to help me, you know, this, that, and the third. And in reality, he added more value than what I thought. But because you think that they're in a different category, that it's like, okay, he can't add any value to what I'm doing. You know what I mean? He can't help me with numbers. And I was tremendously wrong. So that was that was a, a big help. Yeah, we do have a pretty good community here as far as veterans helping each other out. Yeah. So next... Talk to us about something that people, most people don't know about you. Like sure, maybe your closest friends, family knows, but something that most people would not know about you that they were like, that would surprise them about you. I would say my vast knowledge of electronics, like I, like I told you in the, the bio where I built my first computer at seven. Electronics for me, I think I, I spent a lot of money on electronics in general. Like that, that, that's kind of what keeps me interested because there's very few things out there. I'm pretty good with a lot of different things, but I think electronics for me is just, just where it is. Like some people will come and, you know, they'll go out and they'll buy a laptop from Best Buy and it'll be like 200 bucks. And then two years or a year later, they're having to go out and spend another 200 bucks to get another laptop. For me, I'd rather just invest into whatever I'm buying and know that it's going to last me a while. So like the Apple laptop that I have, that laptop was four grand. But when people say, man, why, why did you spend that much money on a product? I mean, you have to look at it long term. So if I went out and I bought a Windows computer versus my Apple computer, and let's just say something went wrong, like I bought an HP, right? You could call tech support, but what if it was something that they couldn't fix and it was under warranty? You'd have to send that laptop back in. That could take three to five weeks before you even get that computer back. That's what a lot of people don't understand. You, you could turn in a laptop and they'll, they'll tell you to take the hard drive out before you ship it in. You see what I'm saying? Yes. After all, with Apple, if you go to the Apple store and you say, okay, hey, I got this problem with the computer, it's under warranty, so they're going to fix it for free. And nine times out of the day, it's only going to be gone for a day, and you're going to have it back the next exactly. day. Exactly. You yes. know what I mean? So it's, it's a, definitely an, an investment, especially in terms of MacBook, because you could buy one of those and then three years down the line still be using it. I know people who have been using them for the past six years and don't need to upgrade. So exactly. I, I feel like, for me, electronics is is a, a, a passion for me, but more so probably the thing that I'm good at. Okay. Like, that was like a, a brought on found. I learned everything by myself. You see what I'm saying? A lot of people go to school to learn it. I kind of learned it before, you know, going to school. So I know back ways to doing things that you probably wouldn't be taught in school. 
not to say yes. like a bad way, but just you have to be open to different things. Just like if you're uh, in business, you have to look at business from a different perspective. You can't just look at it one way and think that you're going to be successful. That's a very, that's a very good point. So true. We'll come to the end of our talk. Do you have any last words of advice or wisdom for our listeners? I would say just anticipate that, you know, the company dog Pox being not just a residential, but a, a commercial brand because we're, I don't, I don't want to put too much out there and, you know, try to, to do like, you know, the spoiler alert thing, but we, I have, I have big plans for this company in general and not just having to do with dogs, but you have to think when you're doing something in business, you have to try to do the easiest route first. And dogs is something a lot of people can relate to because most people have dogs. The residential, like I said, we'll be trying to come out with within the next month or so. It'll be launching on Kickstarter. You can go to dogbox.com. That's D-A-W-G-B-O-X.com. But like I said, the commercial for the airports and things like that, those that's what we're, we're going to hit next. Not just the, the airports, but, you know, uh, apartment buildings. Like I said, we, we want to try to get into it where we're providing a convenience, not just for the apartment, but for the people living in the apartment. You know what I mean? Because that's yes. I think for them, if you had a 20 story building and on every fifth floor, you had a dog center with, you know, a, a 10 by seven, you know, dog box station in it where people can just go and let their dogs go rather than having to go out in the rain. I think that would ups, upsell anybody's apartment building. You know yeah, what I mean? I think so too. So like I said, the goals for, for dog box are, are big, you know, but we're, we're, we're ready to take on that, that demand. So, I mean, if I was to put anything out there, it would be like, be anticipating the level on which we're going to, we're going to storm the market. That's great, great to hear. So can you give out some of your social media platforms so people reach out to you over Facebook, Twitter, or anything like that? Uh, so my Twitter is my first name, T-O-V-A-R-G-I-I. My Instagram is true underscore soldier. And my Facebook is true pew. And then you can go and check out the Instagram for our our company page, which is uh, at dogbox, which is at D-A-W-G underscore box. And yeah. Uh, and then, you know, like I said, my dog, she has her own, you know, page as well. It'd be at dogbox, D-A-W-G underscore box, B-L-U. And, and check her out because she's really the, the influence behind all of this stuff. You know, I hold her to a high regard in terms of helping me get to this point. Because it's yeah. all about making her convenient, but it's it's convenient for me as well. Because, you know, you've heard a lot of people saying, man, I got to get home and let the dog out. You know what I mean? And that could be hours that the dog is just just sitting there holding it. And you got you to gotta commend them because it's like, okay, well, you know, you could have just went on my carpet, but you didn't. Yes, yes. But the airport is a, a totally different, a whole totally different situation. Because I know when I fly here and I go and visit my mother in Georgia, it's... That I can't expect my dog to hold it for 12 hours. You know what I mean? Like what human is holding it for 12 hours? And for me, like I don't, I personally don't check bags just because it's a hassle to check bags, leave like after I've got off on the plane, go wait for bags and then go take her out. You see what I'm saying? Yes, so it's yes. easier for me to carry everything and, you know, take her. Now, granted, we've never successfully made it outside for her to actually use it. She's always went to the airport, but that's something I'm trying to change. You know, it'd be a lot easier to have you know, your own dog station that's in the bathrooms right across from, you know, the terminal when you come out. I think that'd be a lot of convenient for people rather than somebody having to flag down one of the carts and say, hey, can you take me to a dog station before the dog, you know, goes on the ground. And then it just becomes a hassle for everybody. 
Yes. Also, like to add that Darbox has a great Instagram account. I mean, he puts some very great photos on there for you to check out. See, the thing about that is I don't think a lot of people understand the depth and what goes into trying to run a business. Like I'm literally having to do everything. The social media, those platforms are killing me because it's like you have to constantly update all of that all the time. You know what I mean? Trust me, I know. <laughs> it's, it's a nightmare. So I'll be glad when I can finally hire somebody and say, look, I need you guys to take, because that'll be a tremendous stress. You have to stay up to date on that social media all the time. I mean, because people are always being engaged by it and it, it's, it's crazy. So I commend you for keeping up on yours. Like that, <laughs> That's crazy. I'm trying. And for our listeners, once, once, you do, once you do the show notes, all the links that he's talked about will be in the show notes. So, True, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. We really appreciate it. You give us a lot of wisdom, a lot of great insights to your business. I know you're going to do great things in the future. Okay, appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. And for our listeners, thank you for your time once again. We really appreciate having your ear. And remember to be great every day. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Catalyst HR. For more exclusive content, as well as your free copy of HR Laws, be sure to visit CadmusHR.com or connect to us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Catalyst HR or Jason Catalyst HR on Snapchat. Thanks again, and be great every day.